Amen. I, I am looking forward to this six-week study on heaven. And this morning we want to kind of lay some groundwork for this. And some of the facilitators may be thinking, oh man, is he going to go over everything that we're planning to go over tonight? I don't think we will be at all this morning. This is, this is more some, some foundational groundwork that, that we want to lay. Um, something that you can put in your file that I always thought he was weird Here's something new you can put in your file for that, okay? I enjoy reading accounts of events that I attended, okay? And a few years ago, we, we went up to Minneapolis and went to a Minnesota Twins game. And the next morning, I said to Marilyn, I said, I want to I get the, the Star Tribune and read about the game. And she looked at me like... Why would you do that? You were at the game. You know what happened. And maybe it was nostalgia. I, I delivered the Star Tribune as a kid. But that's not just it. It was, I like reading, one, to see if they're telling the truth. Two, because they usually bring in some, some stories that, if you were there, you didn't know what was going on in that regard, and they bring out um, statistics, and it, it just completes it. It's like it puts all the skin and meat on the bones and, and completes it. And I know, I don't expect very many of you to say, yeah, I relate to that. I mean, and, and it's not just sporting events. A, a, event, a news event that I maybe was at, I like, I like reading about it. I... I grew up listening. Radio was a big part of my upbringing. So I, even now, I prefer listening to a game on the radio rather than watching it. And if I can watch it and listen to it on the radio, then that's, that's perfect, okay? Plus, there's a bonus. Usually when you listen to it, you're seven seconds ahead of what they get on the TV, okay? So I'll know what's going to happen on this play, and everybody around me doesn't know. And so, um, any rate, that's just some idiosyncrasies that, that I have. I also like when you already know how a game ended, but you have, had never seen it, and, and now you're able to watch it, you're able to sit back and say, man, we look like we're doing bad, but I know we win, so... This is going to be good. How are we going to do this? You know, no anxiety, none of that. Nowadays, I hardly pay any attention to sports because they've politicized it so much it just makes me sick, okay? Um, not saying I don't at all, but at any rate, with God, he's told us the whole story. We, we know how it ends, and now he says, sit back, relax, rejoice in the Lord, as we've just sung. And yet, many times, we don't, we don't see the whole story. And because we don't see the whole story, we, we misunderstand a lot. We, we miss out on much. In fact, 
I fear many times in, in Christianity, we have so dissected and compartmentalized the Bible that we've lost sight of the overarching narrative of the Bible, of the, the grand scope of things. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't dive into the things of the Bible, and, but sometimes we can get so deep in the forest that we don't even know where we're at. And only when we have a unified biblical narrative Will we have the, the understanding, the power, and the wisdom to stand in days like this when the, the humanist, satanic narrative is sweeping across the world, around the world, and many times sweeps us along with it? So, to many of you, the... The, the main points today will be strictly review. And, um, and yet, it's something I come back and review in my mind often because we need to know, we need to know these so clearly and be able to identify and defend them so readily, especially in the, this world that we're living in, but we should know them without any notes that we could just pop these off and say, and look through the glasses of these to help us understand what's going on in the world today. And some have called it the four-chapter gospel, meaning there's four aspects of this. And, and really, these four aspects will help you understand all, all of God's doings and understand where we are today. And, and we will come through them. We've, we've given these many times and referred to them, and we use the four quadrants. First of all is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And, and we'll tie this all together <clears throat> with our study. But first of all, and foundationally, and it is first of all, because God made it first of all, is creation. That in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so, understanding this, that when God made everything, He saw it and He said, it is good. So, in the beginning... God created everything, and everything was good. Um, you can only imagine what that was like. And, and don't get too bitter at Adam and Eve, because we would have done the same thing, and we do the same thing. But, I mean, think of, think of living in the Garden of Eden. They had no one to be jealous of. They had no one to compare their kids to other kids, or they, I mean, it was paradise. It literally, and that's what God made. God made it, and everything that He made was good. <clears throat> and <clears throat> we know that God does not make junk, and, and we dishonor Him when we take a negative view of the work of His hands. 
And, and we need to understand that in the very beginning, God made everything <coughs> and established this, and it was good. Now, this has been an area that many times in Christianity we've, we've kind of said, yeah, yeah, that's true. Or we've said, well... <coughs> Maybe God got it started, but um, maybe he used an evolutionary process to bring it about. We believe in a God, but uh, I'm not too sure about he made all this in six days. Well, if we, if we crumble that foundation, there, there is no foundation. You might as well throw everything out with, of the Bible. Because this is foundational. It is not that God started it and used some other process. God spoke and these things and universes came into being. And sadly, um, in Christian circles, we have been um, slow in combating the attacks that really took up um, heightened awareness with Charles Darwin. And sadly, in Christian circles, we did not deal with it properly. And because of that, the cause of Christ has been undermined. Thankfully, uh, great ministries like Answers in Genesis and before Ken Ham, Henry Morris, and others started calling our attention. This is foundational. And so, to see the whole story of God, it begins with creation. <clears throat> Again, all four of these, we could, we could spend at least a year on every one of these, but we move on. So, you know the account as given in the Bible. <clears throat> the account of Adam and Eve and their disobedience to God, and the fall into sin. So creation, and then the fall. The world as it is now is not what God created it to be. And you will run into people and say, if there's a God, why did, why did He make all this mess that comes with the fall? Sorry you sat in this section, but this is the fall, okay? <clears throat> well, this is what God created. This is what man did with God's creation. And to blame God for what evil we have in the world is erroneous. God gave man a free will. And man chose to disobey God and God said, if you choose that, <clears throat> this is what will happen. These are the consequences, and the wages of sin is death. This present world has many good things in it. I mean, have you seen, have you been able to see the sun setting and the moon rising all at the same time, and the full moon and, and the beauty of it? And there are many, many, many great things in this world, yet it is broken and incomplete. Sin has touched 
every area of life, every area of this world, and it has touched it in a very bad way. And, and this world, in this world, we deal with disappointment and death and divorce and despair and disaster and disease and death. I don't know about you, I get tired of hearing bad news. I get tired of, of hearing this home broke up or this person has this disease and, and this disaster happened. But that's life in this fallen world. That's what he says. So it shouldn't surprise us to look through, look at this world and we understand it when we say, well, this is a fallen world. So it's explainable. Where does this evil come from? It comes from the fall. It is, it is a desperate fallen world. And no matter, no matter what mankind does, no matter what laws are passed or who's elected or what economic benefits or what education, there is nothing that can solve it except Jesus Christ. And even Jesus Christ, we'll get to this in a little bit, this fallen world continues in the fall. The curse continues to be here. Mankind continues in rebellion against God because he chooses to go in that path. And, and the fall has affected every area of mankind, every area of life. Um, we, you know, those of you that garden know that you're perpetually pulling weeds. And, and I don't care. You go by, they'll say, this is virgin soil from so-and-so, and you buy it. I don't care what soil you buy, it will have weeds in it because of the curse. You make a raised bed, you go buy the, the best soil you can get, you keep everything out of it, and weeds are going to grow up because it's a fallen world. That's it. Everywhere you look, point number two is reiterated before us. We live in a fallen world. That doesn't mean we despise it. As we said, there's a lot of good things in this world. Beautiful things. God created it good. Mankind has has corrupted it, and when I say mankind has corrupted it, um, I'm not alluding to climate change. I was just reminded this last week. No matter what mankind does, God has promised that there would be four seasons until He comes again. When He gave the rainbow, He said there'll be springtime and harvest. He said there'll be winter and fall and summer. He said... That's going to be. That's a promise I've given. But we as mankind have adversely affected and God primarily has affected with the curse of the earth, the fall. So we go on. Man is separated from God in sin, the fall, 
And then the next one is the redemption. God promised at the fall in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that He would send a Redeemer. The seed of the woman, He said, would bruise the serpent's head. So, right at the fall, He promised that there was coming redemption. Promised that He would make a way to restore mankind back to fellowship with God. So, we didn't mention it, but in the, in the creation, God made Adam and Eve, and He made them to, to fellowship with Him. So, God sent not His Son, John 3.17. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, not to condemn the world in its fallen state, but to provide a way of forgiveness to be restored to fellowship with God. This is the redemption. Isaiah prophesied of Jesus Christ that the Lord has anointed Him to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners of darkness. Isaiah 61 and verse 6. So, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again for the forgiveness of our sin. And He said, if you will turn, repent from your fallen wicked ways and call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you will have eternal life. And and this is the redemption. But, once we call upon Jesus Christ, we're still living in a fallen world. We still have earthly bodies that are subject to diseases, subject to being worn out, subject to the aging process. But we have been given eternal life, but we're still living in a fallen world. So, the salvation in Jesus Christ that we experience now is not fully completed. We are restored to fellowship with God, but we're still battling the old flesh. We're still living in a fallen world and surrounded by the trials and tribulations and temptations of this world. And and in understanding that, we sometimes are in this dilemma of I am in the world, but I am not of the world. And Paul said the things that I would do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing them. And it's only Jesus Christ that can deliver me from this battle And through the power of His Spirit, I need to continually yield to the Spirit of God. That's the redemption. We now have the power to say no to our flesh. Before we trusted Christ as Savior, all we had was the old nature, the old flesh. And the old flesh living in a fallen world, that's a double bad situation. 
But now, having trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we now can either yield to the flesh, as we did before, or we can obey the Spirit. And when the Spirit is obeyed, He produces in us love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All those are things that the Spirit produces even while we have the old flesh. And the, the one that I feed is the one that is strong in my life. So, we're in this battle. Our spirit belongs to God. We are set apart to God. But we're still living in a fallen world. So we have creation. We have the fall. We have redemption. And we also have restoration. God's goal is restoring this broken, fallen world. And He first of all restores people to fellowship through faith in Jesus Christ. But the day is coming when God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and He's going to bring it back as in the Garden of Eden. And He is going to bring full restoration where there is no sin, where there is no sorrow, where there is no death or despair or debt or brokenness and all the other things that we know and live with in a personal manner in this fallen world. And many times we fail to have the full view of the restoration that God is going to bring. We... I have emphasized over and over again the fall of man and the redemption of Jesus Christ. And rightfully so. That is the gospel. But the whole story is we also need to look forward to the glorious restoration. And that's one of the purposes of this six-week study on heaven is to help us to see this. I mentioned last week talking about the six-week study at heaven. You know, I'm not a big harp fan, okay? Um, and so, you read about heaven. There'll be harps there. There'll be singing. Singing's good. I like singing. Harps are okay if they're in the background. This is just me, okay? Um, but I don't get excited about sitting around playing a harp. Forever and ever, okay? So, if that's what we're going to do in heaven, well, let's make the best of what we have here. That's, that's total erroneous thinking. And, and we and I have been challenged. We have not emphasized the restoration that God is going to bring. And when we begin to see what heaven is really like, it's, it's not going to make you miss anything here in this fallen world. And God is going to restore, and it is going to be more glorious than we can even imagine. And hopefully this study will help us. But a proper understanding of God's restorative plan will give hope, will motivate, 
will give peace and will strengthen the true believer who is living in a fallen world so that we can live in victory. It will cause us to, Colossians 3 that we read, set your affections on things above. And and honestly, we have, have so focused on primarily the fall and the redemption. And I'm not discounting that at all. But we have so focused on that that many times we've ignored the creation and without the creation you have nothing. You can throw out all of this. And we have been woefully ignorant of the glorious future that we have. That it, it is not some uh, spiritualized, floating around um, as spirits and not sure what, what heaven is going to be like. God, when the fall came, God did not abandon the earth. And God is going to fulfill all His promises to Israel and to mankind God is going to fulfill them and He's going to bring a restoration. And for all eternity, we will be blessed in His power and in His presence. Now, this is the four-part narrative of God's story. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. It's like a four-act play, but they they intersect and, and overflow with each other. So... The main characters in the creation, the main character is God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And and this took six days. So in God's story, creation is foundational, but it's a very short time in all of God's creation. Well, in the fall of man, who's the main character in the fall? It's man. Man disobeyed God. Man wanted to be like God. Man took it upon himself. And, and in this, this extends all the way until the Lord comes in His second coming. But the main character, so to speak, in that narrative is man. Of course, when you come to redemption... The main character of redemption is Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The main, the main character of, of the redemption story is He that was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life. And, and although He was a great teacher, He didn't come to teach. Although He was a great healer, He didn't come to heal. He came to be the Savior. And he prayed, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Meaning, he was about ready to go to the cross. If there was any other way to provide redemption for mankind. But he said, nevertheless, not my will be done. I know there is no other way. I am the lamb that must be slain. And he willingly did that. And he is to be honored and glorified because of who He is and because of what He's done. He is the main character of the redemption. And then 
when it comes to the restoration. It is to the glory of God. It is victory celebration. It is, it is rejoicing that all this that was against what God created has now been defeated. And it is God and God alone and everything is restored and everything is good. And that's what we have to look forward to. You talk about a victory celebration. I love victory celebrations. I love watching um, teams celebrate. Even if I don't even have an interest in the team, I love the celebrations. And, and that's what we have to look forward to, to the glory of God. And my prayer is that during this six-week study that you will, you will be so... Um, caught up with the nature of God and what God has promised that it will motivate you to walk with God and it will motivate you to tell others and, and your redemption will be used to help rescue others in this fallen world to the point that they are restored to fellowship with God and someday will be completely restored in God's kingdom. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, that full story has, has often been overlooked, even in churches, for many years. As a result, if God is not the creator, then he can't be the lawgiver, and he won't be the judge, and he can't be the savior. Because we don't need one if he's not God. But the Bible begins with the creation of all things. And it ends with the renewal of all things. And in between it offers the interpretation of the meaning of all of history. You may be here today and you might say, I don't know if I believe all that. Well, these four chapters, so to speak can give you an understanding of life and an explanation of life over the grand scope of things that I challenge whatever else you believe. Can you explain where evil came from? How did evil come about? Why is there suffering in the world today? Why is there Israel? Why is there a history of people that have given their lives to serve a risen Redeemer. There is no explanation to this world. And that's why, as this world goes further and further away from this, they have no hope. And that's why you see the hopelessness increasing in, in incredible manners in our society today. Because... We have rejected God's account and go about to establish our own account and it ends in hopelessness and death and despair. The only fixing this world is Jesus Christ. He gives us help now and He gives us the blessed promise that all things will be made new and will be made right and this earth there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it is important that you see all four of these chapters. 
If you leave out one part, I said if you leave out creation, you have nothing to stand on. There are many people today that don't believe mankind is, is born in sin. I don't know how they explain all the evil that is in the world. They, they try to explain, well, if we just educate them enough, they won't do that. If we just throw enough money at it, if we just set the right laws, none of those throughout the millennia of history have proven to be true. The only thing that changes the heart is Jesus Christ. And, and, and if we deny that mankind has an evil nature and fallen, then, then there is no hope. If we deny that Jesus Christ is the only one that forgives sin, we might believe in creation, we might believe that mankind needs a Savior, but if we deny that Jesus Christ alone saves, there is no hope. Jesus Christ alone is the answer. It's not some religion that, that somebody got a revelation and, and God told me that this is now a new book you should have and this is the new religion. All these other religions, Jesus Christ alone is exclusively the answer to sin. And if you deny the restoration, a new heaven and a new earth, then all you're living for is this life. And it gets pretty dismal. It gets wearying getting calls of, of this person experiencing this disease and, and this situation of despair and desperation. And, and it is very wearying. But my hope is in the Lord and there is coming a day of full and complete restoration. There'll be, there'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no death, no weeds, no mosquitoes. Well, mosquitoes won't bite you. I don't know what they'll be doing. They'll be feeding the birds, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, everything God made was good. In the garden, He didn't say, Oh man, mosquitoes snuck in. What are we going to do with them? I don't know what they did in the garden, but they were good. But when the fall came, they became bloodthirsty, blood-sucking insects. You know what I mean? And, and there is coming a day of restoration. And because of that, we have hope. And because of that, it all comes back to Jesus Christ. But I, I am praying that this six-week study will help make up for a lack of teaching on my behalf and the church and across the board for us to be truly excited about the presence of God and His glory and full restoration. Heavenly Father, thank You that history is Your story. Lord, thank You that You've given us this narrative of the creation, the fall, the glorious redemption by Jesus Christ. And Lord, almost beyond our comprehension, and much of it is beyond our comprehension, the glory of heaven. But Lord, you have told us enough that should make us bow down in praise and adoration for you and who you are. And I pray that hearts would be encouraged, 
I pray that souls would be drawn to you. I pray that we would be more greatly burdened for lost neighbors and relatives and friends to help them to see deliverance from the bondage of this fallen nature and world that we're in to be redeemed and to look forward to a glorious restoration. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who has never called upon you for the forgiveness of their sins, never turned from trusting in their own ways to trusting you, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they know your redemption. I pray that today they would call upon you and the work of your life and death and resurrection to pay the penalty for their sin. And Lord, that they would then have assurance of their salvation because of who you are and what you have done. So Lord, I pray that you would accomplish your purposes through these truths and that your ways would be manifested and known. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.